Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and we just chatted for a half hour that you'll never hear. <laughs> we got uh, personal, and we're just like, we a, don't need this recording. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I feel like there's plenty of podcasts. Uh, I'll shout them out. We have concerns for one. We had Jeff Kanata on the show back in the day, but uh, oh, yeah. they do a thing where, like, yeah, they have, like, a conversation before the podcast begins, and they're like, on our Patreon, you can have access to it. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, we didn't do that. So you guys will never hear that conversation. But hey, you're about to hear one right now. It's wild with us because the stuff we talk about like off the air before or after we finish recording usually isn't – usually is more coherent than what we actually record and package out as a podcast. Yeah. And usually it's not even like more personal. Sometimes it's more personal. We know each other, you know, and we got history. So sometimes it'll be more personal stuff we'd rather not have out on the open somewhere in the public. For sure. But then a lot of time it's just more – it's more gripes and stuff, but it's us like talking like coherently and about different structures and stuff and systems in society rather than just like I played Binding of Isaac for another hour. Yeah, cool. it's our version of Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast. No, I'm just kidding. What, what, <laughs> no, that, oh. I know that's a bad example. <laughs> exactly, that was the big joke though. It's just like, yeah, it's I don't know. We're talking about society, uh, but no. Um, this is a video game podcast for anyone new. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, we never pretend like we're experts on fucking anything. It's not like it's not like I know what I've done. No, you could probably easily prove, you know, uh, fact check me. It's probably not that hard. But yeah, that's true. That's yeah, what this show is. We're idiots. Our trash, uh, but that's why you tune in, isn't it, listener? Thanks for being here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for anybody new, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing. I have a pretty decent update, so I might just dive right in. So, yeah, a big just, Fall Guys update, huh? No, so that's the <laughs> what? thing. Off what? stream, I played something else, uh, and I, I we've talked about it already. I remember uh, on previous episodes, I was saying how I was stuck on the final boss of Dark Cloud, and... I eventually beat it, but here's the thing. It wasn't on stream, so I feel bad for everyone. I might end up <laughs> doing it on stream eventually anyway, so that might be tonight. But wh- what ended up happening was I'm like, let me just fire this up. I did a little bit of grinding with this uh, Ruby character. Uh, she's a genie, and she has like ranged weapon uh, with her rings and stuff, and she shoots like magic at the enemies. I went around as her in a couple dungeons and upgraded her weapon. I'm like, all right, let's give this another go. Oh, and that was the other thing. Uh, if I stock up on this item called Stamina Drink... Uh, if this unblockable wind that this, uh, final boss throws at you, well, instead of, like, it doing full damage, it'll do zero damage, but it still knocks your character over, it's a pain in the ass. This whole fight, I remember saying, is you're, like, dicking around in your menus, like, just managing all these things, being like, I gotta change this weapon's attribute to fire in order for this to do any damage, and then I also gotta, uh, heal myself, heal my weapon, and then also give my character water, because he's thirsty, and, like, stupid (laughs) shit like that, so... You're not fighting an enemy, you're managing an Excel grid. It's, yeah, it's honestly insane, and there's just so much many things going on there's three phases of this boss and that was the problem i was stuck on phase two the ranged phase because i was not doing enough damage and every time his unblockable wind would hit me i didn't have a stamina drink and i was taking the full damage so this time i'm more prepared i remember getting like to the point where i'm like i think i'm about to beat phase two should i like just stop here and like uh do this on stream and then i hit phase three and i it actually like i turned up the tv i was like oh shit it's happening because it was like <laughs> going. this yeah this weird like spider phase where like the like i don't know it's like all final fantasies kingdom hearts where like the bosses every mm-hmm. phase is different and just mm-hmm. way more extreme turns and the boat at some point there was just this moment in like in me where I'm like, this is like my childhood memory of like always wanting to beat this game. I have to just do this right now, stream or no stream. Let's just see if I can do it. And I did. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking up a guide, guys. This game is so insane. Uh, <laughs> for this boss, you had to use like a holy attribute, which luckily it was my highest attribute on my weapon. And then, yeah, there's these two little like minions he has coming at you that they even say in the strategy they're like don't worry about them as much because they just respawn fairly quickly anyway and you have to hit like this like a special weak point in this thing's mouth long story short i did it it was honestly very satisfying although like i (laughs) it was satisfying beating the the boss story-wise i was like what the fuck i'm not like (laughs) i don't want to ruin this even though it's like a million year old game but like the the genie was just like 
came out of this guy because his like lover died. So like he basically was just so all the negative energy from his his lover dying just like manifested from this guy and then turned into like this uh, immortal genie. And that's the thing. As you're fighting this boss, he's like, it yeah, doesn't it matter sense. that you killed me. I'm immortal and I've been this way forever. So blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, how are you immortal if you came from this dude the day that this lady died? And like that was the whole point of the game was you're uh, trying to like harvest these Atla balls and the fairy king's guiding you on this journey. And at the fin- <laughs> at this moment, the fairy t- king takes just you back in time just 400 years ago and is just like, oh, you can use the Atla to like seal the genie away. And it was just weird. I don't know. It was <laughs> it was good. I'm very glad to finally uh, cross that one off my list. But then it also left a little bit to be desired because I had two trophies left in order to get the platinum. I'm like, all right, what's left? And it was um, get one of your weapon attributes to full capacity without mm-hmm. like needing an attachment. And then the other one all was right. like get full capacity money, which is 65,535 specifically. I'm like, why that- is that? That's very specific. Well, just wait. Uh, so, long story short, the the weapon one wasn't that bad because I had uh, a couple power power up powders and like just the various attributes I needed in order to get that. So mm-hmm. I was like uh, crafting my weapon and then had that pop in no time. And then I was looking at how much money I'd collected throughout my gameplay, and I wanted to say if I sold every item I had on me in all of like my storage and everything, I would probably be at like twenty thousand. Uh, and I'm like, that's a shitload of money c- considered in this game. But yeah. the the trophy for sixty five thousand, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna take me like a million it, years to be able to pull that off. Is it like new game plus? Well, not even so. Well, and there's also something there too. Uh, but what happened was I ended up googling it because I'm like, how do other people do this? And yeah. there's a glitch. And I'm uh. like, okay, so which kind of sounds shitty, but it's. It's in the game, and that was the one guy that I watched this video. He's like, look, they put this in here for us. Use it. Don't feel bad about it. It's definitely uh, something a lot of the people in this game do well, uh, is it in a, order to get that trophy. Is it a glitch where, like, you take an item out, you put it in, you take it out, you put it back in, and, like, it quite, it goes to, like, 99 of those items? Holy shit. Or, you, you're very similar. Yeah. Or is it just, like, a loophole where it's like, this thing's very expensive and easy to grind for in this area? So, no. It's it's a little bit of both, actually. So the way it mm. works is you have to go to the specific vendor, uh, the old gaffer in the very first town, Norun Village. And if you go into his inventory, scroll down to the ice attribute that you could buy from him. Mm. And then on your inventory, scroll to uh, the very bottom and then up one slot. You kind of rotate back and forth between that ice thing and your uh, spot on the right. And while you're doing that, you're trying to hit X and right at the exact same time. And if you're successful, like you end up doing it like a million times just over and over, just trying and nothing's happening. But Mm. one of these times, a broken dagger will just appear in your inventory. And it's like, Uh. okay. And broken dagger isn't even like an expensive item. Like I think honestly, it's probably worth one GP because it's just like nothing. Uh, but you, the, the glitch is you then take that broken dagger. Use that as an attachment on a weapon. It could be any weapon. You, there's this one store you could go in Queens. Uh, this guy, Jack, he sells weapons. Uh, you buy some kitchen knives off of Jack for 400 attach the broken dagger to the kitchen knife, and then go to somebody to sell it. And it's worth, like, I don't know, I want to say 16000 to, like, 24000 GP just for that. And you do that a couple times, and you're at the, the the max. But the worst thing about it was, and I honestly am, like, mad that this is how this works. I, like, had all the things I needed. I'm going to the Fairy King where uh, I'm just trying to sell everything and get that trophy to pop. And I get to, like, I don't know, 65499 And I try to sell him something, and he's like, you have too much – don't you have too much money already? I'm like – uh no the trophy hasn't popped like let me just get enough money uh, like, and it's like you, you need the exa- yeah well you need it to be an exact amount to like get the trophy to pop i'm like how the fuck is anyone ever going to do that with like selling things and getting it to like just match up perfectly long story short someone online suggested that like uh get it as close as you possibly can and then yeah. go through some dungeons and kill a couple enemies that drop bags of money and your character will pick up as much money as he possibly can uh. and i did that and then the trophy popped so yeah i finally got the platinum trophy for dark cloud <laughs> i'm 100 percent done with it yeah and what's funny is i also own a copy of dark cloud 2 and i never really <laughs> fucked around with it i think i like Good started luck. up once 
But I know Mark has said on numerous <laughs> occasions it's his favorite game He's of all time. He's probably on his way now to the recording of this podcast because we mentioned the words Dark Cloud that's, 2. That's the thing. So I, I really do want to... Maybe, I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to platinum trophy that one, but I do want to play through the story and just see how it goes. But God, it's taken me my entire life to finally say I've beat Dark Cloud. <laughs> I I am always astounded by you and anyone who hunts down the platinum trophies, because I think I might have platinum like or 100% at like less than 10 games in my life. And it's games that are like so story, like all the trophies are and achievements are based on story stuff. So yeah. beating the game automatically gets you that. Like I never have sought out the hundred percent. I think Hades was the last one I actually tried to get hundred percent on. Yeah. When you enjoy a game that much, it makes sense. And the, yeah, I think life is strange before the storm. It was just like, once I beat that game, it was like, Oh, you're like one or two away. It's like, I might as well. And I love that yeah. game. Hades. I was like three achievements away from like hundred percent. I'm like, Oh, fuck, I might as well get those. But totally. like, stuff like dark Lover, you have to do all of that work. To there get, was so no, much. I never yeah. bother. I don't know how I even did it, but hey, and yeah, the platinum trophy is called Dungeon Master. I'm like, all right, that feels good. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so that was a, a big to do for me, and then yeah, still playing some Fall Guys, getting some crowns, but nothing too crazy. There's, I feel like we've brought up this drama before, but I'll like maybe just elaborate Uh-oh. on it a little bit again. But like the whole crown rank system and like just how people count their wins on like stream and stuff. Uh, a friend of mine likes to do squad mode and that's the thing with squad mode now you earn shards and i want to say if you get 60 shards you get a crown uh, but yeah, every time you win a squad round with your buddies you get 20 shards but i've seen it where streamers will be like oh i just want a squad round and let's say like you see their bar it goes like up to like they're like 59 out of 60 shards and you're like okay they're one shard away from getting a crown and they'll update their crown count to be like i just got a crown i'm like but wait you're still short a shard are you counting like every time you win as a squad as a crown even though you're not getting a crown and they would be like yes and i'm like that is confusing and i don't know (laughs) where to like yeah i just it's just i i know that their defense was like everybody in the scene does it this way i if they do i feel like it's wrong everyone in mlb does steroids yeah just (laughs) because it's true doesn't mean you earn that title mark mcguire Right, and then you, then Pat. even as you level Pat up, Johnson. I'm glad he's gonna like <laughs> that. Uh, even as you level up throughout the season, though they uh, they give you certain crowns as you're just leveling. So I'm at the point where at the bottom of left of your screen, when you log into Fall Guys, is your crown rank and how many crowns you have. It's I'm currently at like 89 out of whatever 93 crown rank 16 i'm just gonna be like i have 89 crowns because that's how many fucking crowns i have the problem with saying that is though i didn't win 89 times i want to say maybe i won 50 or 60 of those i've lost track and i feel bad about it and i don't know like like there's so many streamers that like there's a discrepancy with what their crown count is on screen versus what's down at the bottom right corner because they don't want to count crowns that were given to them for like surveys during squad stuff or during the season and to me i'm like "Ah, a crown's a crown whatever i'm just gonna say i have 89 crowns at this point because it's like that's the number down there like i don't know i can understand the frustration with it but it seems to just be stems from uh competition and trying to determine who's better than others because that's all the crown count is it's like I got 100 crowns. That means I'm better than everyone that doesn't have 100 crowns. And that's the base root of all that is. Like, the pride in it that comes with it. The, like, competitive nature of it. Like, it's just seeing who's the big dog in this casual, fun, silly game of being people falling down a hill. Yeah. Um, You could certainly, they could certainly influence a system of, like, here are the regular golden crowns that you win from being the best. And here's the purple crowns you get from the shards. Or here's the crowns you get from... But it's it's just a pissing contest. Yeah, and it's, it's all it's just currency for uh, cosmetics, collectibles, and cos- cosmetics. Exactly. So it does feel like pointless for people to get up in arms about it at all. That's why I am kind of like readjusting my stance and being like, a crown's a crown. Like literally, if I have a crown crowner and during a season I uh, I level up and they're like, here's five crowns. Although I didn't win five times in a row. They gave me five crowns. That five means crowns. my crown's counter goes up. So, yeah, I just hope people aren't, like, uh, giving people shit over this. It's just really a weird little Fall it, Guys niche thing. It's a weird mentality and problem that's created just within the community itself. That happens with a lot of games because 
if the game actually gave a shit about how people earned crowns, they would have these systems. But they don't, and that's why you have no. Five they hand them out crowns. like hotcakes now, yeah. and that's why people are upset. I guess that's that's how you keep the addiction going. If you never win, you stop playing eventually. For but sure. If you drip feed people crowns like you know IV, yeah, they're going to be hooked to it and keep coming back. But it's the same way people get competitive with like MMOs. Of like, oh, how many hours do you have in that game, or how many hours do you have in this game? But with like MMOs, that's really hard to gauge because some people play for the social aspect, and they just like hang out in an MMO with their friends for like seven hours. It's like they haven't progressed in the story at all. They haven't leveled up at all in that time, but they yeah. have seven more hours. So if you do it based on time, that doesn't it's that's skewed versus someone who's been dungeon crawling for those seven hours. Or plenty of people who just have the game running in the background. Like this guy has a thousand hours in this game, but he's only played two hundred of them because the other eight hundred hours it's just been idling in the background of his computer. <laughs> Or you could do levels, be like, ah, well, I'm level this and I'm level that. It's like, well, sure, but, you know, this person does it for the social elements. So are you better at this game because you stuck just to, like, min-maxing and just grinding out the story as fast as possible? Debatable. Or you can get how much gear you have. You could purchase gear separately. So that person could have leveled up and gotten that gear through work. Or you could just paid for it and gotten it that way, like, through easy transactions. So it's, like, it's a weird debate. But nonetheless, both of these debates just boil down to why am I better than this person who's also playing this game with me? Yes, and if that's you don't the give whole a reason shit, no they debate. implemented crown ranks because there's uh, people with the ability to get these golden outfits. Like, and that's the one thing uh, with the with playing with squads. A lot of people will be like, I have a friend that's really good at this game. I'm going to squad up with them, and they're going to carry me to a bunch of wins. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, recently became friends with somebody. Uh, they're named. Anthemum89 on Twitch, and he is a gold wolf, and that means a lot. He's also a pink wizard, so if this means anything to you, it means you're <laughs> too far deep into the Fall Guys scene. But uh, pink wizards were only gifted to the top 100 players of the game to both PlayStation players and uh, PC players. So for, like, I want to say a week there only, they were, like, calculating who gets the most crowns. Top 100 are the only players that are getting this specific pink wizard outfit. He mm-hmm. got one of them. So he's insane. And then the other thing, yeah, the gold uh, wolf means he's crown rank, I don't know, I'm going to say somewhere in the 30s, I'm guessing, and that's just ridiculous. He's got over like 1,500 crowns to even be able to have that kind of outfit. So I was squatted up with him, a gold wolf, and we still lost. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't. It doesn't matter who I squat up with. Where I just I don't like squads at all. I like playing solos, uh, for sure. But yeah, no, Anthemum's an incredible streamer. I definitely want to shout him out. Go check him out. Uh, but yeah, I feel bad for the guy. He's so good at the game, but he's gotten to the point where he's so sick of it that he's like, I only do this for you guys. Like I don't even. Have- <laughs> fun with this game anymore but yeah. Uh, yeah he's basically like just so mad he's like you guys got to fix your broken game but as soon as he's done complaining he queues up for another one so I'm like, All right. <laughs> well, like i get uh, it but yes. been there yeah. with overwatch but yeah same thing with overwatch you there's a competitive mode if you do competitive mode enough you get enough points you can get a golden weapon for that character that you play a lot or right for multiple characters and for a while it was like hey this guy's you know i'm reinhardt i have a gold hammer it's like oh, i played reinhardt a lot i'm pretty good with it and eventually it became like a weird like a badge of honor of your like how good you are or how much you play competitive and because it you have competitive is a goddamn nightmare in overwatch and it's a broken system i don't think ever functionally worked um so yeah. anyone who takes it too seriously it, it's an innately broken system um but you had to win to get the points to then get the golden weapons and before i was like wow this guy's pretty good he's got multiple gold weapons with multiple characters and eventually it became a badge of shame. Of like, look at this fucking asshole with all his gold weapons. How much do you play? Go outside, nerd. And that's inherently what happens to everything that gets too competitive, where the very competitive people do well and they brag about it. And then everyone gets sick of, sick of the competitive people ruining the game and skewing it to one side because of the skill gap. And then eventually people start shaming them for being too good at the game or too competitive by playing right. you know, trying too hard. That's why the word try hard is now banned globally on Twitch. As well as Incel and Virgin and a few other things that are very dumb. Yeah, simp. Simp. God forbid any of the racial slurs are globally banned on Twitch. But let's yeah, sure we get rid of Virgin. <laughs> let's make yeah. sure we don't say Virgin, which is a word uh, that we use in other contexts normally. But interesting sure. Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, it's it happens very often with, I mean, anything competitive, but very much we see it with games. Because they're usually internet-based and we have the wide scope. We have a wide area to gather data for it. But we see, like, yeah. People usually start shunning people who are too good 
even if it is, even if you can't buy your way into that, even if it is just skill based, it's usually just like, yeah, I don't want to play one on one basketball with Michael Jordan. He's gonna fucking kick my ass. That's not fun. Oh yeah. So, so that's why. I don't know if it's going to happen in Fall Guys, but that's why in Overwatch, I always stuck with arcade mode, where it was mystery heroes, where you didn't choose your hero. You got randomly selected characters, and you had to play as them. And if you die, you get a new character. Because that was fun for me. That was enjoyable for me. And I never played competitive. We've had Mark on a few times, always griping about the competitive scene in Overwatch and how broken it is. I never played it, and I always had much more fun in Overwatch than it seemed like he did. And uh, I don't know, last time, the last few times he's on he said he's switched over to just arcade mode because yeah. you ultimately play a game because it's fun. If you want to make a career out of it or you want to have some weird ranking system and be the best of the best, you're going to get salty. You're going to take it too seriously because you need to take it seriously to be competitive. And it's just, it's going to get messy. But at least yeah. with Fall Guys, it seems like it's, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily inherent to the game, but rather how people are identifying the crown systems and their own wins. Like it's it seems like it's self self perpetuating and it's the the community is causing the problem that they have a problem with. Yeah, for sure. And like even if let's if I was as good as Anthem and had this gold crown outfit, yes, I would want to show it off and flex. But also, I don't want to wear it because you're just become a target, and everyone yeah. that's in that match just try is like, holy shit, it's a gold wolf. Yeah, and they all try to just grief. And that's the thing, even with that problem that he has uh which i've seen it happen many times people just try to gang up on him because he's a gold wolf uh i saw recently he had an 11 win streak and it's like 11 <laughs> like mm-hmm. people what the fuck and then yeah he'll just have like a bad team game or something and that and then that streaks over and he's yeah. raging pretty hard and being like fuck this game but then it's just like <laughs> it just goes to show like there are people of his caliber that it's just like all the rng i can almost handle it and like yeah. pretty consistently get to a point or put myself in a position that I'm likely to win. It's, it's fun watching streamers that are that talented and yeah, all gold wolf play this game. But again, yeah, it does make you a target. It does. It's, it does kind of make you look like this guy plays this game too much. It's like a yeah. little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's why we play. I remember in middle school, I, I kind of have a similar mentality, right? When I go hard on, or when I get interested in something, I go hard on it. Like Overwatch, where I have, 800 hours in it. I haven't played the game in like two, three, four years almost, I think. And Mark still hasn't caught up to me in hours played because like when I got into it, I got real into it. Same Binding Isaac. Um, I remember in middle school, at least when I was in middle school, RuneScape was getting real big. Oh, hell yeah. And a buddy, like in our group of friends, a buddy of ours was like level like 45 because he's been playing it for years before us. And we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's like, oh, Brennan, you should get in. Okay. Within two weeks, I was level 42. <laughs> and I fin- I finished all the free to play like quest like non you had to be a member to get additional content. Yep, I so, remember. So I finished all the free to play quests and I was like, "Well, I'm bored and I have nothing else to do." They're like, "What? You've only been playing for 2 weeks. How did you max it out?" I was like, "I, I played it for 2 weeks. I I'm I, a kid. <laughs> I yeah, I don't have any hobbies or after school activities. So I'm just like, I just committed to it and now I'm done." They're like, "Jesus. Well, we can't play with you anymore because you're out level everyone." I was like, "All right." I guess I'm done with this game, and I never played it again. Yeah, that was one of the first games that I ever encountered where it was like, oh, you need to pay to access this. I'm like, yeah. how am I going to convince my parents about yep, this? Yep. <laughs> it was just like, it never happened. So I was like, all right. <laughs> I remember I had played City of Heroes for a long time, which was an MMO you had to pay monthly for. And uh, I got my parents to do it, and then I stopped playing for a long time. But I didn't tell my parents. So oh, they Jesus. were still paying for it for a long time. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. Luckily... Luckily, we were able to talk to him, like, talk it up and, like, you can see my activity log. I haven't played for X months. Like, can we just get refunds for that? Refunded for, yeah. You couldn't, but my mom is committed. Yeah. So she got it. And I was like, hey, oh, right. fu- hey there you go. <laughs> you got your money back. I was impressed. But- Here's your money, Karen. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say it. I certainly didn't say it. I know. I'm teasing. Um, but all right, uh, that's basically my game update. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've played. No, but I did see on uh, Doughboy's uh, Twitch channel, they were together playing some of It Takes Two. Have you heard mm. of this game? Yes, it's from the same developers of uh, A Way Out, which is like yes. a prison break game set in like the 60s or 70s, I think. That was very popular for a while cause, because it's it's a co-op game made to be a co-op game. It's not just a single-player game with a co-op added on this right. is like intentionally co-op game and there's a t- 
uh, thing, at least with A Way Out and from what I've seen with It Takes Two, there's a ton of additional mini games and just little side things you can do. And that really seems to be cementing this studio. And uh, I think, you know, they've done, they've done two games like this so far. So this, you know, that might be all they're doing. But if they're going like Telltale or Don't Nod, where they found a niche in the video game market and they're just flooding this really niche area of the market with their own products, they're going to burn themselves out real hard and people are going to get tired of it real quick. Yeah. But as of right now, it seems like the thing that makes this game, these games uh, unique is... You know, story's compelling, sure, and it looks great, it handles well, but uh, it seems like the mini-games that you can do the main quest with a friend or your partner or whatever, whoever you're co-oping the game with, but then there's a bunch of little side stuff like, uh, in a way out, uh, you're just two guys breaking out of prison, and then, you know, at a certain point you play Connect Four. You're in, like, a hospital in, in, like, a waiting room of a hospital, just playing Connect Four, and you can just keep playing it, like, indefinitely, or chess. You find, like, a chessboard somewhere, you keep playing chess, like... And it's little mini games you can play with the people. If you just and it's a good pacing break. But yeah, like the story definitely. is very intense. Let's just play air hockey for like an hour, and then we'll <laughs> pause and come back to it later. And it's like, wow, it seems good. So yeah, I've seen a lot of it takes two streams on Twitch yeah, lately. Yeah, looks really cool. I like how like Pixar ish it's it is. Um, your characters like get transformed into like little uh, yarn <laughs> people. I don't know. Here, let me read You're- the description. Embark on the craziest journey of your life, and it takes two. Invite a friend to join for free with friends pass and work together across a huge variety of gleefully disruptive gameplay challenges. And yeah, you just like, it's kind of like a honey, I shrunk this kid scenario. You guys are going around like a world as like a bunch of little people and uh, you're using nails to like throw around and solve puzzles. So the basic premise is you're a married couple with a child who are about to get divorced and constantly fighting all the time. And the child's sick of it. And like, as she has little dolls made out of her, like made of her parents uh, one of them's made of clay, one of them's made with like wood and yarn, and she's crying, being like, I wish you guys would just be friends again, and she cries onto the dolls, and that cast a magic curse or something, I don't know, magic, whatever, and the parents wake up as the dolls the next day, and they have to figure out a way to remove the curse to get back into their bodies. Coraline inspiration, yeah. maybe. A little bit. Um, so yeah, um, it's a lot of fun platforming stuff, a lot of cool like cooperative puzzles that yeah the cooperative stuff for. like you said it's not like a, a single player game and then they built like the co-op mode into this this is all yeah. focused on a heavily <laughs> two-player game it reminds me almost of like uh brothers a tale of two sons like mm-hmm. in that way where it's like it's just very much you it, have to play two-player yeah brothers a tale of two sons is a single player game where you're controlling two characters it's it's a good comparison though because it's like yeah it's effectively that but now each character is controlled by a person it's not exactly Mar- it's not Mario Galaxy where one person is controlling Mario and the other person's picking up star bits as they run by them like that's that's a single player game with a co optional feature yeah that's, that's very very weak. much ninety percent Mario <laughs> so, yeah um but yeah this one is the yeah, plays with parents and there's different like sections there's different very like thematic areas. Uh, in certain areas, you get different tools or powers. At one point, you're in like a space area, and the wife can walk upside down, has like anti gravity boots, while the husband has like a shape changing belt. So you can either be really big or really small. And then in another section, they're in like a tool shed, and the husband can throw nails like against the walls and like recall them back to him, while the wife has like the top of a hammer head. And stuff. Yeah. So you have different power-ups, and you have to use them in combination and stuff. And it's very neat. And uh, like you said, with the friend pass, uh, I think that's probably for every system. At least on Steam, I'm sure it's out there. Uh, the friend pass is, if one person buys the game, the other person can play for free. Yeah. So it's a very good feature of, like, I want to play this co-op game with my friend, but they're not really sure about the game. They don't want to commit the money. Only one person needs to buy it, and then you get a free copy. And that's... That's a great idea if you want to do co-op. You'll Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many times where there's that barrier of like, I have yeah. it, but you need it. I think it's Mario Kart 8 or maybe one of the Mario parties where one person has to own it and then everyone else can play off of them. Y- yes, you're, you're not going to be selling as many copies as both people buying them, but now you're going to have a lot more people willing to try it instead of like... Instead of two people saying, like, I'm not really sure I want to commit that money and no one buying it, now you have at least one person buying it and another person playing it with them and enjoying the game. And then you're, the publicity of just, or word of mouth of people really enjoying it and talking about it. And it's 
a lot of little a lot of fun. A lot of people are streaming it. A lot of people. Yeah. So I think it does look great. I think the friend pass is a smart idea for co-op games like uh, uh, Warhammer Vermintide. It's a fun game. You can play it by yourself. It's a lot more fun with friends, but I don't, you know, I have to convince my friends to buy it and they have to pay for it. So it's like, that's a harder sell than like, Hey, here's a free game. Well, it was, it's funny that I bring up that Doughboys was playing it too, because like, I don't know, this almost like with the Pixar-ish look and like, I don't know, just the way it is, it makes me think like, this is like a family-friendly kind of game and they are not a family-friendly <laughs> no. kind of show. And they, that's the thing, they got to this one boss, semi-spoilers, but they, it's this vacuum they're fighting and they end up it's sucking out on. its eyeballs. And I was like, yeah. what kind of an ending was that? They literally took them by uh, surprise too. And we were all like kind of cracking up collectively being like, it's, we just sucked out a vacuum's eyeballs. Yeah, you're fighting a vacuum, and it looks like you're taking the hoses of the vacuum and like turning them towards his face. You're like, ah, they're gonna put it on his mouth, and he's gonna be like stuck in an infinite loop of like sucking, sucking stuff. and blowing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's like no, you go for the eyeballs. Like, and like you said, Doug, it's like Pixar esque. It seems family friendly. The story, at least from what I've seen, is you're playing as two parents. You're playing as two very, very shitty people. Yeah. There's a reason they're getting divorced. It's because they are shitty people. That's funny. And, and through the game, you see them doing stuff where it's like, wow, that's a horrible thing to do. But, you know, they're justifying it to themselves. I'm like, this isn't real. We can do whatever. Once we're in our human bodies, we'll be, you know, whatever. But, like, yeah, everyone I've seen streaming is being like, yo, this is kind of messed up. Like, these parents suck. They're yeah. bad parents. So... Yeah, I had to shout that one out, though. Yeah, it's very popular right now, so look at us okay. being topical. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, but yeah, it's very good with the friend pass. Like, if, if, you, if you're interested, just buy it and then give the friend pass to someone who, you know, you could co-op it with. Um, and it seems like it's more of a... We've seen plenty of games like Overcooked, where that's like the relationship destroyer. Yes. you have to play with your partner. Uh, uh, it Takes Two seems like a... Not a destroyer, but like... It seems like it's going to be more <laughs> healthy for whatever relationship you're playing with, whoever you're playing it with. So Definitely. It, it doesn't seem like it will destroy your marriage if you play it with your spouse. So that could be definitely a good one to try out, especially with the free free game that comes with it. Totally. Watch Nick and Mitch play it on Doughboy's podcast at Twitch.tv. <laughs> It'll um, ruin them. We're great at plugging other people. <laughs> no, we really are. No, that's the thing. I don't mind shouting out things that are worth checking out. Yeah. We had Emma on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that all you've been playing? Yeah, so I have one game I'll shout out uh, that's coming out this summer. Uh, have you heard of it? It's called Death's Door. Uh, I only know about it from what you posted on our Slack. It looks adorable. Yeah, that's what I mean. That uh, That's the only reason I even know anything about it. Like, it gave me, like, Miyazaki vibes or something when I was looking at this uh. artwork. I don't know. Like, that weird, like, witch lady uh, reminds me of, like, that big uh, spirited way witch. Yeah, I yeah. could be wrong. Anyway, uh, but I'll read the synopsis. It says, Reaping souls of the dead and punching a clock might get monotonous, but it's honest work for a crow. The job gets lively when your assigned soul is stolen and you must track down a desperate thief to a realm untouched by death, where creatures grow far past their expiry is that how you say that word uh, i don't know anyway uh just check out a trailer of this one on steam like i said it's not even we don't have a, an official release date it's uh publisher is devolver digital so uh, Ooh, should be good stuff a pretty good game but yeah just checking out these screenshots the little trailer we have available to us i also get like monument valley vibes but not even like it's just so detailed this style. game is very unique so i i'm just i want to play this game very badly it had me at roguelike and it's like ah oh, you play as a little raven uh, working for death and i was like i'm sold i'm a, yeah aesthetically and thematically i'm already sold and it's a yeah. roguelike where you're you know running around bosses and dodging and stuff and uh sort of bullet hell ask i was like i i'm already sold but you got me again like yeah so, uh, yeah this looks right up my alley for sure. Art is so good. I can't wait to hear more about this. Yeah, this one should be on everyone's radar. That's why I at least had to shout it out. But how about you? Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, we talked about it a little bit already, but uh, Vermintide 2. been playing a little more of that. Nice. So, I've talked about before, each character has like their own stats and stuff, so I'm trying to get everyone else at least leveled up to the second class. Um, so I've gotten that now, so if I ever have to play with them, I have a little more variety in the characters I choose. Yeah. Um, but I think... Pretty much where I'm at is 
when you start the game, you choose what level you want to go to. You have, like, four options of, like, areas. Two of them are DLC. So if you want to play those areas, you have to pay for a DLC. That's fair. Uh, one of them, you go into it, the second area, has, like, three stages. So you can choose one of those three stages in that overarching chapter. And then in the first one, you click on that, and it's, I think it's four, so tw- I think it's 12 stages, and then there's, like, a final one that unlocks when you do all 12. Okay. So it's very much, the first chapter has, like, 13 levels you can pick. That's the bulk of the game. And then the second chapter has, like, three that you can pick. And then the rest are DLC. So I finally beat the first one. I was like, ah, I'm all done these 13 stages. Let me see what the rest of the game has to hold. It's like, not not much. That's that's pretty much the bulk of the game. And I was like, ah, shit. Okay. okay. So... Uh, so I have like the second chapter with like those three stages. I'm going to be playing those soon. Uh, but that's pretty much it. The game is fun. There is a ton of DLC. I don't plan on buying the additional DLC. Not unless I can get my friends to actually start playing it. Um, it is fun, but it is definitely like the replayable. Like it's, it's kind of an MMO where you just keep playing it and get better gear and keep playing it and get better gear. Or like yeah. Monster Hunter, kind of like Monster Hunter. Where it's that's like, exactly what came to mind. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, but it's like, I don't Monster Hunter, it gets harder. The the battles scale up and the gear looks different. There's different colors or different monsters and stuff. This I can get new gear, but there's really no point. Like right. t- getting stronger gear will let me fight the same battles I've already fought, but on harder difficulties. And the higher difficulties are just gonna limit the amount of resources I get and the amount of enemies I'll have to fight. But the level itself doesn't really change. It's not like it it's not like the land's going to change or, you know, the story about the level I'm in is going to change. That makes so, sense. So I am enjoying it and it is fun. It's, I think, definitely worth its price. It's very impressive the way you can mod it and it's basically just a fantasy left for dead, like if that's up your alley. Um, it's great. It's a solid game. But, yeah, I think I'm kind of running out of content for that unless I want to start paying for the additional stuff. And it is good. It is a good game. I don't think I'm going to be paying for the additional stuff because, like I said... I don't know what the fuck the story's telling me. I don't know what's happening in there. I don't understand anything about Warhammer or that universe. So I'm not, like, invested too deeply. Like, what happens next? Uh, but I think they do They do a lot of cool stuff with it. So it is a very fun game. And uh look forward to seeing if they make any other stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, besides that, you know it. You guessed it. More Binding of Isaac. Yeah, I thought uh, so. <laughs> this time, though, I think I've seen... Everything that I can see with this new DLC, I looked it up and saw like all the new trinkets and new items and the new enemies, and I'm pretty sure I've seen all that there is to see. So I just looked up a way to beat the final boss, knowing that there is still one I haven't fought yet. It, I talked about it before. I don't know how you can play this game without like. I'm sure there's someone who's arrogant enough to play it without a guide, being like, "I'll figure out all the secrets on my own. I don't need someone to hold my hand." Why? Why yeah. would you ever do yourself do that to yourself? So, the secret, bo- the ending. It's like the final, final boss. This is the end of Isaac's story. So this is like the canonical end of the game. Oh wow! Is you play like this five or six levels roughly. Mom was the first boss, and then once you beat her, it opens up to two more stages, and then once you beat those, it unlocks some more stages, and so on and so on and so on. But Mom was like the first boss you ever had to fight. Okay. When you beat Mom, you get a Polaroid or a negative of the Polaroid. So you get two items. Depending on which one you pick, determines the path you go down for the next four four or five stages. So the Polaroid or the negative, they do the same thing. They just decide which path you go down. Uh, it's just a key to go further into other stages. But when you fight Mom, all the bo- all the bosses up to this point, you go into the room, you fight them. The room opens back back up so you can keep exploring that floor if you want to. With mom, once you go into the fight her, all the doors seal shut and you get taken away to another area where there aren't any doors. So once you fight mom, you can only go forward. You can't go back to that floor you're already on and explore further. Okay. So it's kind of like, make sure you have all your gear. Make sure you're ready. Yeah. Once you fight mom, it's just going towards the end now. The trick with the secret boss is you fight mom, you then have to get back out of that room without going forward. You have to stay on that floor. Hmm. And the only way you can do that is if you have an item beforehand. There's different, like, cards or abilities or stuff that can teleport you out. So you have to have one of those 
items or abilities that can teleport you into a different room on the same floor. And you have to know that before going in to fight Mom. It does not tell you this anywhere in the game. There's not even a hint of this. So what you do is you fight, fight Mom. You take the Polaroid or negative. Doesn't matter which one. After you beat her. Then you teleport out of that room. And then on that floor that you're on, where Mom is, the like bottom floor, you go back to the beginning room you started in. There's a new door there that you have to use the Polaroid or negative to open. And that's how you get to the final boss. Jesus. They, there's no way of you knowing that in the game. You have to look that up, because I don't know how else you could. Yeah. Like, I, that blew my mind. I was like, how would I know to do this? Like, you see that door early on, but it doesn't tell you, like, Polaroid goes here, or negative goes here. It, it's just a door. So I'm like, I don't... What, what is this? I don't know how to get in here. So, once you do that, you... Uh, what happens? Once you open up that door, you fight, like, another floor, and then... In Binding of Isaac, you're going further and further down the level. You start in, like, the basement, then you go to, like, the caverns, like, the catacombs, and you go further. The story is you go downward. With this boss, you start ascending. You go back up the floors that you came through already. This time, uh, with no items, or, you know, going through the same floors you already did. So anything you missed going down, they're still there, but for the most part, it's pretty empty because you already went through there. Uh, and then as you're going back up, some of the enemies are harder. There's new versions of the enemies you already fought, but they're much harder. Um, and as you're going back up, you eventually climb back out of the basement into Isaac's house. You find his bedroom. You go into the living room. You see the TV. You see your mom's chair. You go into your mom's bedroom. Uh, you sleep in the mom's bed. You come out. And then once you go back into the living room, the TV comes to life. And the final boss, Dogma, crawls out of the TV and starts attacking you. Oh, damn. This boss was surprisingly easy for being, okay. like, the final boss. I hate that. Because <laughs> I got to the boss both times with, like, I would say pretty not great builds. The first time was a bad build of items I had. The second time was better, but I had, like, no health. So while you're playing Binding of Isaac, you get items that will increase your health. I had, like, four hearts, and I started out with three so i had like no health going into the final boss and i still beat it with that second build nice and in the first build i had plenty of health but i had just really bad items uh and both times i was able to beat it pretty well or pretty easily so you fight dogma uh it's like this weird static image like tv static like version of isaac flying around shooting you uh and at one point it goes into its second phase where it turns into like a biblical angel where it's like a circle with wings sprouting around all the sides of it and like a fiery circle spinning around the other side of it. It's like really just weird looking Um, like those old Testament angel descriptions. Uh, So that one flies around shooting feathers at you that, which is a bit harder, but you know, if you're playing the final boss at this point, you're probably used to it. Uh, And then you beat that. And then Isaac wakes up and he has wings and is in literal hell. And when you're, when you're in hell, th- this is what the story is. Apparently yeah. Isaac's dead and he's in hell the whole time. This is like a fever dream. So he wakes up in hell. You end up fighting the four horsemen of the apocalypse again. They're bosses you fought normally in the game. And now, okay. you, just, now you just fight bigger versions of it. But instead of being a top-down dungeon crawler, it's a side view. So you're like flying up and down, left and right, above fire. It, mechanically, it works the same. But now it's you know not top-down, it's from the side. Okay. Um. So you're fighting bigger versions of the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. After you fight all four of them, then you fight the Beast, which is, you fought Satan, you fought Mega Satan, now you're fighting the Beast. So it's like a you know bigger, crazier, more evil version of, I guess, a Satan. Right. And uh, with him, you're not really fighting, it's not like a traditional fight where you're just shooting him. Uh, you're running away from him, and it's like a, like the Battletoads, like where you're like doing the Infinite Runner. Where he's chasing after you and he's sucking in fire in front of you, and you have to weave through the openings in the fire. While oh God! Sh- while also dodging stalagmites and stalactites that are up on. The- it's basically Flappy Bird. The final boss fight in Binding Isaac is basically Flappy Bird. God damn! Yeah, and then you know at a certain point he'll stop and you can shoot him a bunch and stuff, and then the fetch you beat him and then ascend up to heaven, and then. The story stops, and you find out it's just, like, a bedtime story being told to Isaac by his dad. And, like, 
<laughs> the dad basically goes, no, 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 that's a bad way of ending that story. That's sad that, like, Isaac dies and just goes to heaven. It's like, here's a different way we'll tell it. And then the game starts over again. Okay. So that's, like, ah. the canonical ending to Binding of Isaac after years and so expansions and no real story. It's like, a Princess Bride scenario. I, I kind of, I suppose, yeah. It's, but, like, a lot more biblical biblical violence and piss and shit. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't as much piss in Prince of Are you Pride. satisfied with that wrap up? Like I was saying earlier with the Dark Cloud one, I wasn't too satisfied with the story, but there really isn't a story about it. like yes, it's Isaac is a child being abused by his overzealous like religious mother and like there's definitely themes and like a very 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 loose story through it. So it's less it like Hades is a rogue like with a defined story. And that's a good yes. one. That's a great one. And it's very engaging and compelling. Binding of Isaac is like, here's a loose premise to excuse why you can just keep doing this over and over and over again. So, is it a good ending? Sure. I wasn't really expecting any ending. Like, right. It's it's a very loose game. It's like, are you happy with the canonical ending to the story of Solitaire? It's like, I <laughs> sure. I'm going to just keep playing it, though. Like, I don't care what the story is. Yeah. So... Uh, is it good that it's ended and it's a definitive like pinpoint at the end of the series? Sure. Do I think they'll make more DLC or another remastering five years in the future? Also, sure. Like uh, that'll probably happen again. So I, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath, but also I'm not going to lose sleep of like I wonder what happened to Isaac. Like I, half the time I didn't even play as him. I played as one of the f- 15 other characters you can play as in that game. Sure. But they yeah. don't have endings. Like so. Uh, I, I think I'm happy though with like I got the ending. I saw all that's in the additional like expansion, the DLC. Did I get everything there is to get in that game? No, that's going to be impossible. But I got a lot of it, and after eighty eight hundred hours, I think I got my money's worth for yeah. Probably collectively, all of the games and all of the DLC I bought for them is still probably under a hundred dollars. So. Yeah, I'd say I got my money's worth out of all these. So, I'm good with it. Uh, and honestly, after I beat it, I really haven't played it too much. I think I, I think I am pretty done with it. Where yeah. Now I don't have to uninstall it because I have a crippling addiction to roguelikes. Now I'm just done. I'm, I'm satisfied. I've gotten over my addiction and I got burnt out. Now I'm just like, eh, I just don't want to play it anymore. That makes sense. So, it's a good ending to both the game and my addiction. So... Awesome. That's pretty much what I've been playing. Otherwise, most of my attention has been devoted to D&D. A lot of D&D. Nice. It's funny. I forgot to mention this during my game update. It's back to Dark Cloud real quick. I I remember I alluded to the fact that, like, you were saying, like, New Game Plus. I'm like, oh, there's something there. Well, Mm -hmm. once I did beat the game and the credits rolled, I was actually surprised at how short the credits were. There's so many games where the credits are just nonstop. And, like, I felt like they... walk away for two hours and come back and they're still going. Yes. Like, this one, it was just, like, wrapped up in, like, two, three minutes. I was Mm -hmm. like, all right. I'm like, I give you guys brownie points for that. Anyway... As soon as they did uh, roll, uh, there was, like, this thing on screen that popped up. It's like, a new area has been unlocked. And it's like, which uh, save uh, uh, slate do you want to save this to? I'm like, oh, cool. Let's check out the new area when I load it back up. I did. And the new area is called Demon Shaft. And I'm like, all right, oh. this n- I don't like that name <laughs> at all. Like, I don't know what this yeah. is all about. So I head over to Demon Shaft. And lo and behold, it is another bonus dungeon but god there's more uh (laughs) the problem with demon shaft is that it's a hundred level a hundred floor bonus dungeon and to put that in perspective the longest dungeon we had encountered previously in dark cloud Mm -hmm. i think the max was 30 floor (laughs) so (laughs) them throwing a hundred yeah at you is absolutely insane and for each i want to say 20 of those 100 is like a theme it's like oh you're Mm. in the fire zone you're in the ice Uh zone and you have to change your attributes on weapons and stuff these are this is all the stuff they cut out from the game and they're just like fuck it slapping at the end well, and that's you're not wrong because I think even somewhere I read online where they're like this wasn't even in the original Japanese release. This is just like something they've added since for like the American version. Yeah. Long story short, uh, I'm not even sure. This is something I'm contemplating. Am I going to do this on the stream or not? But if in theory I were to go through these hundred floors, there is an additional bonus boss called the Black Knight Pendragon, and he is a two phase uh-huh. boss where. 
the first phase is you fight the dragon, which is actually more of a cat anyway. Uh, <laughs> you, you kill the cat, and then you have to fight the, the Black Knight after the his steed is destroyed. But each one of them, I, I want to say, has somewhere between 40,000 to 55,000 HP. Ooh. And I want to say my weapon does 500 with each strike. <laughs> so with... Well, and then again, with me going through a bonus 100 floor uh, dungeon, I might like level up my weapon a little bit more. But long story short, the whole point of anyone doing this is to unlock the most powerful sword in the game called Chronicle 2, which I honestly didn't even know existed. So yeah, I was unaware of uh, Demon Shaft's existence at all. So uh, I'm contemplating doing that just to get chronicle 2 i'm very glad it wasn't required for the platinum trophy i'm yeah. kind of surprised that's the case but uh it's that's just neat one. for anybody that is like diehard dark cloud once you beat the game you open a new hundred floor dungeon demon shaft and Wait, yeah trying how, to get this crazy sword how much health did he have 45 40, 000 for the cat and fifty-five thousand for the actual knight himself 50 so 95 Collectively, yeah, and I think I, I want. I wonder what the damage. Yeah, <laughs> per swipe. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were doing fifty. Okay, that's not as bad. All right, it's like twenty hits total. Is it really okay? Well, then that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I thought you were doing fifty damage. I'm like, that's like nine hundred swipe. Like that's a, like a lot of swipes. Yeah, well, and I'm also with the different phases of this boss. Like I don't know, they're, I'm sure they're pretty challenging. Tough. Yeah, yeah. The the dark genie himself, like the first phase, you couldn't even lock onto anything, which was also very just like disorienting. It's like I have to be very specific with where I'm aiming in this attack. I don't know. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Demon shaft, really bad name for it too. <laughs> bad time. I think with Final Fantasy IX being like the first real JRPG I played, at least, it really set the tone for all of other JRPGs. It like not that Final Fantasy IX by any stretch is like the hardest of the hard, but it just like gave me a very good idea and concept of what a lot of JRPGs do. Where like yeah, this final boss only has five hundred health, and your attacks normally do three hundred damage. So it's like oh, I hit him twice. It's like no, 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 no. This final boss has a lot of bullshit mechanics that are going to make you like. Be healing your party members every turn just to stay alive. Yes, and then drag the fight out for like twenty minutes, like oh, stuff yeah. like stuff like that. Where it's like, if you think this is easy, you're not understanding what actually happens. <laughs> so, a lot of stuff like that was really like makes you second guess. Of like, this should be fine. I have the ultimate weapon. It's like, no, exactly. no, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, ton of stuff. JRPGs are crazy. For sure. Um, but let's maybe see if there's anything going on in the news, and then we could wrap this one up. I don't think I have anything in the news. How about you? Uh, not too much. There was uh, Pac-Man 99 that came out that's very similar to, like, Mario 99 and Tetris oh, 99. Oh, Tetris 99. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's a very same, uh, same premise as all the others. You play Pac-Man, and then 99 other people are also, or 98 other people are also playing it. And you have different ways to screw each other over and get penalties to each other, bonuses and stuff like this. And honestly, I'm on board with these like old games turning into battle royales. Battle Royale got that market got flooded real fast with PUBG and Fortnite and Apex Legends. Uh, that they're, they're not saying they're bad, but I'm saying they created a lot of copycats trying to ride those coattails of success and oh, just yeah. flooded that market into oblivion. So now those three are the only ones that probably still exist because they're the ones that kept the audience retention. And Fall uh, Guys. Just kidding. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's about right. Yeah, it's yeah. Own, yeah, it's a weird version of it. No guns. Yeah, it's that's at least innovative. That's that's playing with the genre and like making something new and like eliminating people by like swaths of like games and stages and stuff, rather totally. than just a hundred people get thrown into an island and you know last survivor sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But Pac Man ninety nine, like pretty neat, like to watch and like. Yeah, you get different power-ups, and you get, um, like, a string of ghosts are coming at you instead of, like, the four ghosts. Now it's, like, 15 ghosts, depending on how well you're doing, if people are throwing ghosts at you. Uh, and then if you get the pellets where you can eat the ghost, if you eat all of them, that throws the ghost to another player and stuff. And it gets really hectic and really chaotic, but it, yeah. it's pretty fun. And, like, I'm on board with these. Like, Tetris 99 was really cool. Mario 99 was really cool, but I think that was, like, a limited time event. I don't think that's still available. Um, but it's the same premise. You can play the old school Mario game, the first one, with nine, 98 other people. Yeah. Uh, and then Pac-Man and then I, Honestly, I'm I'm in favor of this genre. This is at least just neat to see. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll burn this genre out too of, like, retro games with a you know battle royale style. But it's at least cool to see. And, 
you know, it gives it a new twist. If you're like, man, I want to play Pac-Man again, but I want a new twist. Exactly. To, here you go. Everyone's familiar with this game. You can yeah. dive right in, but the, it does, like, even just looking at a little bit of gameplay, it does look, like you said, chaotic and a bit confusing with, like, the whole 98 other players on the screen around your screen. Yeah. But, hey, I'm sure a, after a couple tries, you'll get the hang of it. It does look like a lot of fun, and, yeah, I'm on board with it, too. Get people playing some retro classics. It's like an old person seeing a computer. It's like, ooh, they get over, overwhelmed very quickly. It's like, ignore all the shit on the side of the screen. Just focus yes, on the middle exactly. on your Pac-Man or Tetris game. And then let the stuff fly. There is strategy to play with other people, but like starting out, just focus on the, just your game. Exactly. Uh, what else? Spirit Fair, one of my favorite games of all time from oh, Thunderlotus yeah. Studios. They're yep. getting a, an update. Uh, it's a new character. I don't know. Uh, free Lily. Okay, so it's free. It's not DLC you have to pay for. Uh, but it's more content. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Spirit Fair is you play as a girl named Stella who becomes the new Spirit Fairer. Uh, Chiron, basically the riverman of the sticks, retires and you take over his job ferrying spirits from their life into this purgatory world that you're currently in and taking them to uh, the gate into the afterlife so they can pass on. And it's basically you helping these various creatures that are in like anthropomorphized animal bodies. Like uh, it's a personification of their pure soul, of what their soul looked like. And you're helping them come to terms with their death and what they did in their lives and with like their family and stuff in their lives until they can find peace and pass on. And it's a very chill, very quiet, very low energy, but very like emotional and beautiful melancholy. Yeah. Very melancholy. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a personality test to see which spirit you'll latch onto personally. <laughs> and then like you get the most upset when they eventually pass. Because there's some people who are like, oh, I love Gwen, the first character you mean. She's like, you know, has these personality traits. It's like, oh, I love this character. It's very cool. It's like, you know, there's a little hedgehog who's essentially a grandmother and she has dementia. And it's like, God, this is an emotional, like, God punch. This is hard to play. Because <laughs> it's like, uh It's like watching your grandma go through it all the time. Yeah. And passing on. It's like, anyone who's done that, you know how fucking awful it is. Oh, so my God. Like, yeah. Um, but fuck your Zodiac. Let me know which one of these people. Have <laughs> Here's your personality <laughs> test. Here's your horoscope. Here's how yeah. we connect. Um, which are emotional baggage and what animals it represented in, in this game. Yes. Um, but for you know, like anyone's interested, I highly recommend it. It's an absolutely gorgeous game. And it's very, there's no stress. You're never pressured. To, like, there's no time trial. There's no like escort the hostage. There's no pressure to it. It's all just play at your own pace. So it's a very relaxing game. Uh, but they have a new character called Lily being introduced. And I think I'm going to hold off on playing this until there's two more DLCs coming out with uh, two or three more characters total. So oh, cool. I, th- I think I'm going to hold off on replaying this until they're all out to make it worthwhile. Because uh, with Lily, she is Stella's sister. Stella's the main character. Mm-hmm. So she's her sister. So we'll, we get a bit of her, Lily's backstory, but then we're going to get a lot of Stella's backstory that we didn't get in the initial game. You get a good bit of it, but it's more of a piece it together on your own time sort of story uh, with Stella, personally. So with Lily, you get more of Stella's backstory with her. So I'm very curious to know. Like, I would very much like to see what happens. But they say it's Lily's not introduced towards the end of the game when you're focusing more on Stella. And I don't know if I want to play through the entire game for you know two hours of new content out of 50 hours. Right. So... Uh, I'm probably going to hold off until there's all the new characters out, but there are going to be three new additions, and this is the first one. Are there any, like, save states you have where you could be like, I'm hopping towards the end of the g- the game, or is that not how it worked? Was it, like, an autosave basis? Mm, I don't believe... I think it was autosaves. So okay. So I don't think there are save states now. Yeah, that's... Uh, just curious, because, like, it'd be nice to just, like, dive in at that specific point in the game and experience the new thing, rather than having to start up a fresh one. I think, like... It might have been that way with, like, certain Life is Strange things. I don't know. Yeah. I forget. Yeah, there are definitely games that do, like, checkpoints. I remember, like, Heavy Rain. It's like, oh, did you just fuck up one instance? You can go back to that chapter exactly. and do just that. Uh, this one is kind of like, you. there are, like, a total number of spirits you can help pass on. You don't actually have to get all of them, though. There, are, I've heard people talk about where they've missed spirits. I'm like, I didn't even know you could get that character. Like, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I think it's it's not guaranteed that you'll get this or this character or that character. So there's no guarantees. I see. Um, and in this one for Lily, she's represented by a collective of like butterflies. She doesn't have like a solid body. It's just this huge collective of butterflies that form a body for her. 
So interesting. It's very interesting, and it's uh, you learn a lot more. If anyone isn't interested, you learn a lot more about the characters by looking at the gallery and the additional art outside of the game itself. Like it's in the game, but it's not part of the game. And you find out a lot of the characters' backstories that weren't told in the game. You find out every character, if not almost every character, every spirit in the game is based off one of the developer's own personal relationships. Either someone's grandmother, someone's cousin, someone's best friend. That's right. An estranged uncle, like this or that. And it, you you can tell because the characters are so flushed out, they feel so real. Yeah. And it makes... It even makes it more emotional of like, ah, fuck, that was someone's great. Ah, fuck, now I'm sad. Yeah, so, that's super tough. Yeah, but it's really good. And it's, I'm, if you didn't get into it yet, here's more content to look forward to. And if you have already gotten into it, here's more content to look forward to. Cool. Uh, and the last thing, Mortal Kombat movie apparently is out. Is uh, it out? Oh, crap. I yeah, gotta get my hands on that. I've heard people talking about it. I think it's on HBO Max. So if you don't want to go out to theaters to see it, I think you can watch it that way. Um. I remember being skeptical because it just looked really washed out and very gray and very like desaturated color tone. So I wasn't sure. I'm like, this just looks like a Chris Nolan version of Mortal Kombat trying to be serious and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't excited for it. Apparently I'm wrong and I'm delighted to be wrong. I've, I've heard people reviewing or giving reviews just like uh, on Twitter saying like, hey, I saw the Mortal Kombat movie. It's fun as hell. It reminded me of being a 10 year old kid again. And I loved it. It's like, good good that's what we wanted so uh, definitely I, I heard someone say like ah fuck i forget which characters i'm blanking right now but they're like this character and this character did their best fatalities i'm like well that's cool uh, like kung lao and like sub-zero or something probably yeah so it i i do like the old world kind of movies because it's just super colorful like the costumes are bright and obnoxious it's like it's it's just real campy they know they're making a video game movie they're having fun with it this one seems like it's being more serious but uh, Maybe that was just the marketing. We've seen plenty of movies be killed by bad marketing before and be mis- mismarketed inappropriately. So maybe it is a very tongue-in-cheek, like, fun movie and, like, action-packed movie and doesn't take itself so seriously, like a Chris Nolan Dark Knight movie. Right. Um, apparently they had, uh, you know, in the old Mortal Kombat movie, uh, games where a little – one of the developers would pop up and say, like, Santa Monica or like that. Oh, yeah. Apparently, they they filmed that scene of him saying Toasty. But he's like, Toasty. Apparently, they filmed that and then they cut it out at the last second. So, like, no, maybe, why would you cut it? I, maybe it was too campy. Maybe it was, like, too uh, But that's what we want. Like you said, Bren, it's like – yes, I, that, that was just for the fans. I, like, I'm glad they filmed it and hopefully that's in, like, the DLC uh, – DVD – I mean, DVDs. They don't even make DVDs anymore. Hopefully, when you can buy the movie, that's extended part of those edition, extended yeah. features or special features, and you can have, like, watch the movie, watch the movie with commentary, watch the movie with the toasty guy, and he'll just pop up randomly throughout. Like, that would be great. Hell yeah. But I can understand why you wouldn't want that in the final cut Theatrical movie. release. Yeah, yeah that, I can kind of understand that. That's fine. So, um, fingers crossed amazing. there's, like, a commentary, but just with him popping up, like, during the fight scenes randomly. So I adored the original Mortal Kombat movies. I know they're very campy and just they're like so don't hold good. up or very good. But uh, as a teenager or preteen, even probably at that point, I was yeah. super into them and loved them. So yeah, so knowing that there's man. a modern remake, I'm excited. I do want to get my hands on this and see how it goes. Hopefully, it'll be an, an enjoyable experience. Hopefully, it's good. The first one's just real campy and ridiculous and just fun. But it's like the Super Mario Brothers movie where it's like, that one's campy. And just garbage. That's yeah. just a shitty, objectively shitty movie. It's still fun to watch. It's still great to watch with friends or family and like make fun of it. But I think more combat movie is like it, they're just really having fun with this, and it's that's awesome. I think it's great. So. Uh, one last thing then, uh, and it's Mortal Kombat related. For anybody Ooh. that's out there collecting video game music on vinyl, apparently Ooh. there was – I don't remember the label, forgive me. But they just put out the Mortal Kombat soundtrack on vinyl. But the <laughs> interesting thing about yeah. it was this vinyl is uh, unique. I've only seen very few records like this where there's actual liquid on the inside uh. and – the liquid was just blood red, so it looks like your <laughs> your your uh, vinyl. If you were to break it in half, would just splatter blood everywhere. So yeah, it's like it's this very unique thing, and they were selling for 
if I recall, $160 a copy. And I was thinking to myself, I can't justify this. I know my wife would <laughs> just straight if? up kill me, but, but I would love if? to own this. Yeah. And no, it literally sold out within minutes. Like the people that were trying to get their hands on it, like had it in their carts and they were gone. So yeah, apparently there's a big demand for that in the vinyl community. And I at least thought I'd shout it out because it's Mortal Kombat related. But yeah, I wish I had my copy of that blood red Mortal Kombat vinyl, but yeah, not about to drop that kind of money on it. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. Limited to 350 copies, limited to Damn. version, limited to 150 copies. Yes. The, yeah, that, pff, yeah, good luck. It's badass. Oh, man. Had to shout <laughs> it out. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's wrap this one up and do some plugs. Bren, where can our listeners find you and your other podcast? Find me on Twitter, ABTS Brendan. Really don't use it much. No one needs another white nerdy guy giving his opinions on the internet. But it's a lot of retweeting of this show and Are We There Yet, which is my anime podcast where we watch three episodes of an anime or watch an anime movie and give a recap with our opinions on it and uh, it's a good sampler platter for like if you're curious about a show and don't want to commit to watching all of the three episodes listen to us talk about it at one and a half speed be like yeah this sounds interesting i'll give it a shot or no nice um i think i forget what's coming up this week the episode this episode drops or the week this episode drops Mm -hmm. but next week it's my birthday episode, which means I get to torture my co-host, and I made them watch Gant O, which is a fucking shit show of a movie. Definitely, it, yeah. Surprise so. is not Digimon. <laughs> I, I did that already, and then I got them again the second year with Summer Wars, which is effectively right. Digimon Part 2. I remember so that. So I wanted to give them a break and give them Gant Zero, which is just a bloody horror show of a movie. Are you and really giving them a break? Uh, no, no, not at all. It was a nightmare. <laughs> But I had a lot of fun making you watch it. Very cool. And listener, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member. We're findable at all the places at ABT Silence. Uh, Twitch.tv slash ABT Silence is where I'm currently streaming a variety of games, mainly Fall Guys. But who <laughs> am I kidding? And uh, let's see here. I have a record label, MissedOutRecords.com, if you want to see what's available for sale over there. And the band that does our intro and outro music is kind of all right. Check out kindaallright.bandcamp.com for more music from them. Uh, and my Harry Potter podcast has a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. But uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you all very much. See ya. See you.